that our God dwells in us. We don't look at an idol. Our God dwells in us and manifests himself through us as we become the body of his son. And in the context of that, he has gifted us in various ways. And one of the things that the body is supposed to do is operate as a body. Now, we operate much more in the uh, church world um, in a structure that uh, is part of the worship liturgy, but not part of the body life. And the struggle between body life and liturgy is somewhat of a problem. There is a text in... 1 Corinthians 14, that relates to this, and uh, I just want to mention it uh, as Danette comes to share with us. So Paul says, what is the outcome then, brethren, when you assemble, when you gather together? Each one has a psalm, each one has a teaching, each one has a revelation, each one has a tongue, each one has an interpretation. Let all these be done towards edification, the building up of the body. If one speaks in a tongue, uh, let that be two or the most three, and each in turn, and one must interpret. If there's no interpreter, he must keep silent in the church, for let him speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak, and let the others pass judgment. But if a revelation is made to another who is seated, the first one should keep silent. For you can all prophesy one by one, so that you may all learn and you may all be exhorted. And the spirits of prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is not the God of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. I'm going to talk more about this chapter later, because the next verse is a controversial verse that is in part translated poorly, and that creates a problem for women. We'll talk about that in a couple of weeks. The body is supposed to be all of us sharing together and talking together and hearing from one another. And the body functions best when we do that. So I had asked uh, Trevor to cover because I was coming in last night at midnight from a conference. He said he would do it. Then we asked if anyone else would do it. And Danette was brave enough to say she will participate. I hope she's the first of many so that we can experience God who is in us through the various members of the body and we can learn and grow and be edified by that. So come and share with us. Okay, good morning. Uh, What I'd like to talk about today um, and what's been on my heart, what I've been working with and learning through for more than a year and a half now, particularly is the catechism, the DC catechism. Uh, And so I'd like to share about my process with it and what I've found and what I've, um, how I've broken it down for my own family to teach them and then also how I've begun, I volunteered to move up with the kids that needed to move up into a new class and I've been incorporating the catechism basically basing that entire class and teaching from the catechism um, in that older class. So that's what I'd like to talk about today. Uh, And at the end, I'll also incorporate a a little bit on my journey in discipleship and what what meaning that's taking on in my life. There's not much space up here. (laughs) Okay. Okay. 
So, I had all kinds of ideas of things to share related to this topic, and I had to start just weeding things out because I know you don't want to be here until dinner time, and I don't want to keep you till dinner time. So, um, I this is a glimpse, and uh, and I'm happy to share it. So let's talk practically uh, about how to practically apply the DC Catechism, both at church and in our homes today. Um, I'd like to begin with the explanation of confirmation that I've given to the class four um, kids. The class four kids are ages currently ages ten to twelve, um, and the the definition that I gave to them, or explanation I gave to them for confirmation, is the church is going to at some point, uh, or you're moving towards an age where you're going to be seen as an adult in the eyes of the church. And that means that you are going to have to take on the responsibility for yourself to know his word, to read his word, to study God's word, to pray on your own, to, um, to take the initiative to have a relationship with God. And to show that in a way in your life that, that the adults will be able to see and will be able to confirm you that, yes, you are walking with God. Does that mean you have to know everything? No, we don't know everything. The adults don't know everything. But it means that you're beginning and you're moving the right direction. And you're doing it of your own free will and your own initiative. And they're listening. We've had some of the kids... Uh, be very hesitant to take that responsibility on and say, I, that's not for me yet. And that's good. We want them. I'm encouraged by them being thoughtful and carefully considering that decision. It encourages me to be thoughtful about my own discipleship, my own relationship with God. And I'm blessed by them. I'm so thankful that I get to do this with them. So as I've studied the content of the catechism, I've realized that I needed it for my own sake, that I've learned a lot and grown a lot in going through this foundational information from really hashing out and taking the next step. Okay, I know these things. I can say these things. But there's even more to learn about each of these things. God's word is rich, and we're always growing. So as I've gone through the catechism with them and in order to teach them, I've grown too. So one of my questions for us today is, what are we doing with the knowledge of faith that we have? And are we acting like disciples, like committed, devout followers of God? And I would like to submit to us and remind us all, including myself, that the only way for our children to know what it is to be a disciple is for us to be a disciple, And how we reflect discipleship is how they are going to reflect discipleship, which makes it hard on us because we have to ask ourselves some hard questions. But I think out of any people of God I know, we are able to do that. Um, So... uh, One thing I want to note before I go into the overview of the catechism is that I really, truly believe that this is for everybody, not just parents of little ones, not parents of older ones, not parents, um, just parents, that even if you don't have children or you're 
children are grown and out of the house or whatever it might be. All of us are disciples and all of us are reflecting discipleship to each other and to the children in our congregation. So our discipleship, our learning, our growing, the kids see. They see everything. (laughs) Um, And they're watching all of us, not just the parents. So um, let's look at the breakdown of the catechism. I... I'll run through it quickly, and if there are questions, I'll be happy to answer questions. Uh, It's simply my own breakdown of it. This is not the only way to do it. It's one of many ways to do it, I'm sure. This is what made sense to me. This is what how I did it in order to begin the process. Because the catechism book, you take it, I I took it, I looked at it, I started reading through it, and I said, ah, that's a lot of information. And I recognize that information, and I, so I know it up here, but how am I going to transmit this information, make sure that I'm intentionally teaching this stuff? So this is how I broke it down and backed it up. Okay, if I want my child to know this stuff by 12, what do I want them to be working on 10 to 12? What do I want them to be working on 8 to 10? So um, I, I did break it down. It somewhat correlates with the classes, the ages that we have in the different classes, But I did keep it, I'm going to refer to it as ages and age range today to help us remember that it starts at home, not at church, and that church simply supports it. But we're here to support it. So um, with that said, let's talk about ages under five. Ages under five, at first I thought, well, I'm not going to be teaching them intentionally teaching them anything, and then I thought, wait a minute, I've already been intentionally teaching them some things, so let me explain. Whatever we observe in our home as far as Jewish and Christian holy days goes, they're learning from that. We're setting a tone for our home, we're setting a habit for our home, uh, and observing those things, they're watching and they're learning from us just doing it. We're showing them, or we can show them, that uh, the disciplines are important by doing them, by praying when they see us pray, by reading God's word when they can see us read God's word, by uh, involving them as we can and as they have interest, by singing hymns, scriptures, worship songs repetitively in the home, particularly the ones that are sung in church so that they can participate in church. If our goal is for them to participate in church in the long run, then we can back it up and start early on familiarizing them with the songs, with the scriptures, with the the pattern of the service, with the prayers, with formal prayer, with the private prayer, um, how to say thank you to God. These things are things that we can do from a young age to help prepare them for what we will expect later on. And let me say, too, I need the reminder, so I'm hoping you need the reminder. And if you don't need the reminder, you're good. (laughs) So I say these things as a reminder uh, for all of us that we're on the path. If we're here at the D.C., we're on the path. We're already walking. Everybody's in a different spot in their journey. There's different seasons in life. Some are leaning because they're tired and they have a newborn. Some are leaning because of other, other things that come up in life. But... I found for me that I needed to I needed to stop leaning. I couldn't use that as an excuse, um, and that's just me personally. So um, I'm jumping ahead, though. Okay. <clears throat> 
ages five to seven. Let's move on. Um, ages five to seven, I started breaking out the holy days so that I, I could, and, and the different things in the catechism to, to focus on. Not that I'm not teaching them throughout the year as we observe the different holy days. We're going to be talking about those, but to really emphasize from ages to five to seven, uh, the Sabbath, the high holy days, Sukkot, and Christmas, to discuss these holy places, the holy land, Jerusalem, the promised land, and Israel, and to begin memorizing with the Ten Commandments, with the books of the Torah and what's in them, with the books of the Gospels and what's in them, with the Lord's Prayer and the Hebrew alphabet, and then to also begin teaching how to use a Bible. What are the books of the Bible? Where's the content page? How do you look up the books of the Bible? Familiarizing them with uh, Bible chapter or chapter book, chapter, and verse, so that they know what they're supposed to do with all those numbers when they see a verse. Um, At ages 7 to 9, discussing these holy days more, Passover, Unleavened Bread, Advent, the Lord's Day, Hanukkah, Yom Terah, Yom Kippur. Discussing these holy places, the temple, heaven, Garden of Eden, and discussing these holy buildings, the tabernacle and Solomon's temple. And then memorizing the Apostles' Creed, the greatest commandments, the new commandment, the Shema, the Kyrios, Psalm 23, and continuing work on the Hebrew alphabet. And then also continuing to teach how to use the Bible, looking at maps, looking at word lookup, doing Bible drills. And then from ages 9 to 17, uh, discussing these holy days more, Shavuot, Holy Week, Pentecost, Epiphany, First Fruits, Counting the Omer, discussing these holy people, the Jewish people as God's covenant promised people, and the Gentiles as being grafted in and discussing the mystery of the gospel. Discussing these holy buildings, Herod's temple, Ezekiel's temple, and discussing these holy things, the furniture, the worship items, and beginning conversations about the holy um, events in, in the life cycles. So birth, the naming, the dedication, the circumcision, becoming an adult, talking about bar mitzvah, confirmation, baptism, in marriage, talking about betrothal and holy matrimony, and then in sickness and death, talking about anointing, funerals, and mourning. And then memorizing the covenants, as we've been, um, we've been doing that in class. Uh, they've started there this year, um, talking about the Noahic covenant, the Abrahamic covenant, the Mosaic covenant, the Davidic covenant, and the new covenant. This isn't all the covenants, but it's important covenants to help understand um, that foundational uh, faith. Memorizing 1 Corinthians 13, John 1, 1 through 14, and beginning on the Greek alphabet. And then continuing to teach how to use a Bible, but including references. So starting to talk about concordances, starting to bring in Bible dictionaries and uh, the illustrated dictionaries and pictures, uh, but, but then also um, like root words and how to look up Hebrew words and how, how to understand that, how to put it together. Um, and then beginning spiritual disciplines at this age. So encouraging uh, and asking them to start private reading of the word. We get the weekly Disciple Center 
uh, the Disciples Center weekly readings emailed to us so kindly, and I appreciate it. There's so many different ones that come from the different backgrounds, and it's so helpful to have that list. Um, I'm not talking about asking a nine-year-old to read all of those. <laughs> I'm asking to, I'm I'm asking them, and we've done this this year um, to to begin. Uh, so we're beginning with the Torah portions. It's an Old Testament portion, and it's a Newer Testament portion, and then we're going to build from there. So we're going to get the habit down. And the focus is, with grace, encouraging them to try to take a step to do something, which is what we do with ourselves. We encourage ourselves to try to take a step to add something. Uh, so the private reading of the word and formal or public prayer, things like the Lord's Prayer, saying it together in class, saying it together maybe at a meal or at bedtime. And then study of the word. Talk about this, this idea and help them to start not just reading the word, but looking up words, doing something to study. And then ages 12 and up, but, but before confirmation, uh, kind of finishing up the catechism and reviewing it. So discussing these holy days more, Lent, and then the Christian perspective of each of the holy days, uh, discussing the definition of a holy God, discussing the definition of holiness, what that is, what it looks like, discussing the holiness commands, the first five of the Ten Commandments and the four given by the apostles from Acts 15 and Leviticus. If you notice, we're building up to the things that take more thought and more... Uh, abstract thinking, so we're working with them developmentally and we're leading them up to that, but we're not just giving it all to them when they're 12 or whatever age they are. Um, Then discussing these holy buildings, God's people as a temple, God as the temple in New Jerusalem, the synagogues and churches and Christian homes, discussing these holy events and life cycles, ministry, including testing and recognition, and then the idea of pilgrimage. And memorizing the 13 principles of Judaism, the five one-anothering commands, and the Greek alphabet continued. And then also continuing to teach how to use the Bible, continuing the different references, and encouraging them to grow in what they're looking at and taking it on for themselves. Uh, Doing the the spiritual disciplines, again, that study, the, the formal prayer, their own reading, Adding to that the idea of the public reading, talking about that with them, um, private prayer, fasting, and then the four stewardships. My own goals that I've, I have for my kids, uh, in addition to, to this um, breakdown, not from the catechism, is uh, I, I want them to do something after the confirmation. So for me, I have to have that in mind so that I can plan on it. So just to share what that is for me, uh, post-confirmation, as young adults, as adults, in the eyes of the church, I'd like to see my kids participate in the worship service, which we expect and we've seen that happen. I'd also like to see my kids uh, have uh, participate in a... Um, because it's really a more Jewish system of, of study and learning and growing, but a peer study, and then also under a mentorship where there's um, there's somebody over them, directing them and guiding them, but then there's also one-on-one peer relating and studying God's Word together. Uh, and then I, 
I'd like to see accountability encouraged, growth and study encouraged, and a sense of belonging in the body of Christ happening. For, for me, I say that. I think we all want that. I, I think that's what's, um, what's been done. Uh, but I, for me, I want to be intentional about it. It means I have to write it down. I have to think about it and I have to plan for it. So that's a quick overview. Um, certainly, as the, the, the catechism is updated, uh, I'll update my list. Uh, well, I'll have to go back and update things and change things. And it's going to look different in, in everybody's homes. Uh, and it's going to look different in how we carry it out in our own life, therefore, it'll look different in our kids. But it's, uh, it's the foundational stuff. It gives us understanding, and it gives us, for me, it gives me a plan. It gives me a look at where am I, where am I going and uh, helps me make decisions now. They're hard decisions. Spiritual decisions are hard. We know that. Um, and in order to make those decisions just a little bit easier, this is my guideline. This is what I use. Does it fit into this? Then great. If it fits, great. Then we can seriously consider this more. If it doesn't fit in, I need to put that aside for right now because this is my focus. Um, so with that in mind, um, let's look at discipleship. I'm going to check my time real quick because my timer disappeared. And I told you I wouldn't keep you here. Oh, it didn't start. That's good. <laughs> nice. Huh? Okay. Uh, so, discipleship. Uh, because of my work in, with the catechism, I've been rethinking about how I view discipleship for me and for my kids. When I think of discipleship, I think, oh, I should really read my Bible more. And I've realized recently, and it's been a slow, God's been working on me slowly in grace and mercy and nurturing. Um, but he's brought me along to a point where, it's, Danette, this is more than reading your Bible. This is about more than praying more. This is about more than just memorizing more scripture. How are you making the decisions in your life? What are you basing it on? What direction are you headed with your life? Discipleship is a devout, committed relationship. I've been reading the rule of St. Benedict because I didn't read it a couple of years ago when the congregation read it. And the Benedict option is coming, and I would like to throw out there, we're, we're in for a wild ride, I believe, with that book. Um, I read the introduction, and I'm hooked. But we're going to have to look at ourselves seriously here, um, and this kind of fit right in. But So I've read the rule of St. Benedict recently. Um, I've been uh, doing a study in with the Torah Club, with First Fruits of Zion this year, I've been doing the Chronicles of the Messiah, which is a chronological study through the Gospels. Essentially, I've been reading the story of Jesus walking on earth from the time he was born through his ministry. I'm still in that. And I have a completely different picture of what was happening and of what his heart was behind his ministry 
because of the chronological view, everything happening in order, because of the relationships, when you see it in, in a chronological view, uh, the relationships come to life more than just the words on the page. Uh, so discipleship and it has taken on new meaning from that also. And then we've been doing the, Dr. Sosa has been talking about 1 Corinthians and Paul's words of discipleship and the imitate me as I imitate Christ is also influencing that, that view of discipleship. So, uh, so if I'm looking at discipleship as a devout committed commitment to my relationship with God, I have to ask myself, what is the health of my relationship with God? And what is the extent of my relationship with God? And whatever my answer is, this is the spiritual education that I'm giving my children. And I have to face whatever that is. And if I'm not quite happy with it, then I have to decide what am I going to do to change it. Um, And that's where I've been. Um, So I'd like you to go with me for a moment. And I'm going to read read this so I... I, um, have all the points because otherwise it won't make sense. (laughs) But let's be idealistic for a moment. If we really caught, if I really caught, we really caught this idea of complete devotion and commitment to Messiah, true discipleship, based on what Jesus did with his disciples, how he taught them, what he required them to do. We would be fervently studying his words seeking insights from the wisdom of those who have walked before us. We would be aggressively memorizing his teachings. We would be exuberantly practicing doing them. We would be spending quality time patterning our prayer life after the prayer life of our master. We would have an automatic flow of God's words filling all of our conversations no matter who we're talking to, because we've taken God's words to heart as we've been passionately... I wasn't going to use that word. It's not just emotion. It's commitment. But as we're committed to knowing his word and spending time with him, we're going to talk more like him. And we would be radically modeling how to be a disciple of Jesus to our children by being a disciple of Jesus. And speaking of our children, after first establishing this spiritual education of our own discipleship lived out before our children, we would then, as time, resources, and opportunity allowed, also include experiences for our children that we think appropriate or beneficial for their growth and development, keeping at the forefront of our minds the ultimate goal of encouraging their discipleship and faith. It sounds so ideal. It sounds so great. That's the picture that I get from the Bible. Anybody's stories? Yeah, I hear... I hear Sarah's frustration when I read the story of Sarah and all the things, the trials that she went through. But I don't really... I don't really connect and maybe that's my choice but I yeah but that was Sarah that's not me I'm not Sarah my husband wasn't called from Ur and told to go out and walk into the desert like I can distance that 
for myself. So I tend to take the things that the Bible says in an ideal way. That's ideal. I'm not ideal. I'm not ideal. Just so you guys know. This isn't. We're not perfect. I'm not perfect. But um, what I'm realizing is that it's not, just because it's ideal, it's not unrealistic. God asks us to follow him completely, and he doesn't ask us to do impossible things. So my mindset has to change and shift to match his. So if I buckled down and I made hard decisions and sacrifices, could I attain this kind of spiritual life for me, for my children? And for our community, I'd like to, to, for us to consider also that there's freedom in this idealistic model for each family to find their own way to accomplish it, freedom to continue to be individuals and families with different strengths, different gifts, different hobbies. And I submit to us that this is not an impossible scenario, but it will require a plan and follow through. And my question is always, okay, where do I start? Great. I hear it. Where do I start? So my what, what question I had next was, how do I relate to God then? The process of doing what he says to do is the act of engaging in a relationship with him. Let me say that again. The process of doing is the act of relating to God. And I'd like to give an example. Again, I'm going to read it so that I I get it right. (laughs) Um, When one of my kids comes to me and asks what he can do to help get dinner ready, I'm impressed in at least three ways. First, he's shown that he knows the pattern of my home and that dinner time is approaching, our timetable. Uh, He has taken initiative to ask before being told to do something to help. And third, he has chosen on his own to interact with me in my goals. In my goals, not his. He's chosen to relate with me by his own free will. And because he's memorized my timetable and been thoughtful about the things I ask to be done at certain times, it's beautiful. And I'm able to first quickly direct direct him in how to join me in my goal. I'm able to pleasantly and positively respond to him, which pleases me and rewards him. And third, I'm a, I'm, third, it allows him to receive my love, which was already there for him, but is now expressed to him in, an, in a more intimate way as we interact and as we work alongside each other. So let me say this again. The process of doing is the act of relating to God. Discipleship is the title for someone who's choosing to relate to God by learning and doing what God says. Imitate me as I imitate Christ, as Paul said. As Jesus said, imitate me. 
So this is the definition of discipleship that I've been adopting. Trying to retrain my mind, renew my mind in God's ways, in God's thoughts. So if we say uh, we want a relationship with God but don't try to learn what he says, or if we have no clue about his timetable, we don't understand his house rules, we're not even paying attention enough to, we don't, we don't even, doing the rules is not even on the table. We're just simply living in the house. Sounds like a lot of descriptions of what I hear teenage, like having a teenager in the house is like. Uh, Lord have mercy, please. Um, the, the, the person doing that, living in the house and not interacting and not engaging is not relating. And if we're not relating, do we really have a relationship? We're not really walking. Certainly we don't, certainly we don't have a productive relationship. So we must engage. I must relate to God. And I must know what he says in order to do it. And then as I get one thing down, I can work on another. We can do this in baby steps, but I have to remember that I have to start. I can't excuse myself. So I'd I'd like to include some practical examples that I've gleaned from our congregation. Um, I'll start with uh, the Bible, both uh, reading and, and memory. We could use our Bible often and let the kids see us do it. We could have a time of family Bible reading. This could be once a day, once a week, at a meal, before bed, or in the morning. We could have a family devotion time. Something that fits our family, suits our family. Doesn't, doesn't, there aren't any rules here. It's our relationship with God. And it's the relationship with God for us. And then our family, we're bringing our kids into that relationship simply including them in it. could be memorizing scripture as a family or memorizing together like we did last year, going through the, just the first five verses of each of the books of Torah or each of the Gospels. For worship, um, could create a culture of spiritual music for our kids at home. I talked about that a little bit earlier. Um, and then also for prayer, praying often and letting them see us and hear us do it. Us leading the prayer so that they hear appropriate prayer. Um, not that we have it down, but we've got a little, we're a step ahead. We're a step ahead. Um, and they can learn from us. Um, the formal prayer, like the Lord's Prayer, the Prayer of Serenity, there are different things that we could do, use. Learn to teach and, and um Learn it and teach what each line of the prayer means and then help them adapt each line to their own life. That would be like a series of steps. How, how would I start? Okay, well, we're, we're going to start by memorizing it. And then we're going to learn what each line means. And then we'll apply it to us. We could also allow them time for free prayer but directed with a theme like starting with, Thank you, God, for... And then they get to fill in the blank. And even if it's, thank you, God, for movies, then at least it's from their heart, but it was directed. It wasn't just a normal conversation. It just happened to be 
towards God, <laughs> which is okay. Not that I'm not encouraging that, but I think there should be some intentionality in in um, in leadership in in asking our children to go a direction with the prayer. Um, and then in discipleship, spending time with the kids and thought-provoking questions and you asking them and them asking you, just taking the time. And that's, for all of us, some of the most wonderful conversations that my children, particularly my oldest children, have are not, not always with me. They're with people from our congregation who have taken the time to ask them something serious and thoughtful and, uh, and about themselves or about what they think about the sermon or class. or It's all of our involvement with each other's kids. It's, that's why I said earlier, it's our discipleship individually affects our children, all of our children. What are we all passing on to them? So I'd like for us to think about what we're already doing and decide what we're ready to add. Like I said earlier, there are seasons where we're simply leaning, and if this isn't you, don't, don't put that weight on yourself. You're walking with God. You're, it's your relationship with him. But I found for me, I, I have to start telling myself, no, it's time to add something. for myself, for my own sake, for my own walk with God, and for the sake of my family and my children. Let's take to heart Paul's example from 1 Corinthians 9.27, where he says, I beat my body and make it my slave, so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. For me, I see that others as being my children. I don't, I don't want to work so hard to try to raise my children in a walk with God that I end up not having for myself. I don't want to get to the end and be disqualified. And that doesn't show them really what I want to communicate about God anyway. And then I had to include something from St. Benedict because... It sounds, his, his way of life, the monk way of life, has always sounded extreme to me. Remove, why would you remove yourself from the world? I'm beginning to get it. And I was really struck by the beauty of his, and, and the relationship that's outlined in the rule of St. Benedict. And on, um, just in, the, in his introduction, in the pages four and five, He says, our hearts and bodies must be prepared to fight under the holy obedience of his commands, God's commands. We must beg our Lord to provide by his grace that which our nature is unable to perform. And if we wish to attain everlasting life, to avoid the pains of hell, we must, while we still have time living in this flesh, perform by the light of faith, all these things mentioned, and hastily do that which will benefit us forever. Amen. So, do I need to pray?